So I want to tell you how much better the weather is on Vancouver Island than it is in Fort Saskatchewan. Minus 30 stupid. And I'm sorry, I, I was sitting on Vancouver Island where it was minus 7 and the snow was beautiful and I'm looking out over the view of my parents' front yard and I'm looking at the phone, seeing it's like minus 30 hundred in Fort Saskatchewan and I'm thinking to myself, sucks to be you! And I missed you. And I thought to myself, I would take minus 30 stupid to just be in your presence. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. While we were visiting the island, we had the chance to walk through our house. We like to do that because, you know, you're supposed to. We still own a home on Vancouver Island, for those of you who don't. And we stand up in our, in our, in our, on a balcony looking out over our backyard, and we can't help but think, Lord, why did you call us here? And we want all of you to move to Duncan so that we can be with you and still be there. And we're walking through our old house, and this house has been a blessing for many, many years. Our kids were three when we bought it. It was a foreclosure, and it was a mess. It had these beautiful copper lights in the ceiling. And I pulled one down one day just to clean it, to put it back up. It turns out it wasn't copper, it was nicotine. <laughs> and we spent blood, sweat, and tears along with considerable treasure, which we didn't have at the time, to fix up this house to make it livable. Because it truly was a foreclosure. And God has blessed us with that house. He's blessed others with that house for years and years and years. But as I was standing there and looking at the renovations that we had completed some 15, 16, 17 years ago, I couldn't help but think, man, our house is looking tired. It needs, to, it needs to get a bit more paint. It needs to be redone. Maybe that kitchen needs to be refreshed. After 18 years of just living, the house is showing its age and it needs a little bit of TLC. But I couldn't help but think that our old house is like a metaphor for our spiritual lives. And after 22 months of COVID, 15 months of, of, of uncertainty, and maybe even longer, a lot of confusion in the midst of all of this, it's quite possible that we're showing a little bit of wear and tear, and our spiritual houses may need a paint job. They may need some new cabinetry. doesn't mean it's a bad house. It's a beautiful house. It just needs a little bit of attention paid to it. And I, and I actually think that when I look at my own life, there are areas that have become a little bit worn. Practices that have slipped out and habits that have crept in. Because we have been paying attention to all these other things in our lives. But my eyes maybe have come off of the things that I ought to have focused on. And so I've decided that I want to go through a spiritual checkup. And so I'm going to spend a few weeks on this, just kind of looking at my life and then sharing that with you and kind of maybe seeing where are those areas that, that I need a little bit of TLC, I need a little bit of attention. Now for those of you who are anticipating and anxiously waiting for that first sermon of the year on money, 
It's coming, don't worry. But I want to root it in the midst of this larger context of spiritual health. Because I think money is one of those key indicators of where we're at as far as our commitment to Christ. Now all of this, I want to root it in hope and encouragement. The last thing you need after 22 months of COVID-19 is for me to stand up here and start yelling at you or chastising you or shaming you into better behavior. Number one, it'll never work. It never works. Nobody responds to being yelled at, so I'm not going to do that to you. And second, that's not what I want this to be. I make no assumptions about any of you. This is focused on me, and I'm inviting you into my journey. All the areas that I think God is saying, here's where I want you to pull out your paintbrush. Here's where I want you to rip some stuff out. And here's where I want you to install some new stuff in. And I invite you to do a self-assessment. Do a health check. Does any of this resonate with you? Because I think one of two responses is in order here today and for the next coming weeks. The first response is, Thank you, Jesus, that I'm healthy in this area. Thank you for keeping me through the midst of a very difficult time and for giving me this incredible encouragement to keep going in those things that I'm getting right. And the second response is, Lord, I'm feeling a little convicted here. I ask you to help me to clean house in this area. I praise you that you've not shamed me in this that you're not guilting me into this, but that you're inviting me into a deeper and closer walk with you. That's the only two responses that are appropriate in this sermon series. So if you're feeling shame, that's not from God, it's not from me, it's from the enemy, reject it. That will be one of the lies that we tell ourselves. And we're going to start by looking at discipleship. One of the areas that I think I want to work on this year is not only my own sense of discipleship and who I am with Jesus Christ, but I want to work on what it means to disciple others. And this beautiful passage in John 1, where the disciples have gathered around John the Baptist. He's been preaching. He's been sharing the story of the coming Savior, the coming Messiah. And up walks Jesus. And Scripture says to us, the following day John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them falling. What? do you want? And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. This is a profound statement. Come and see. See, Jesus is saying more than just, hey, come hang out with me. Come see my really cool pad. 
He's saying, come and see what God is doing. And I invite you to be part of it. So in this passage, rooted in the text, is this idea of Jesus revealing himself. John the Baptist had recognized him. He grew up with him. He knew him. He was his cousin. And over this time, John had come to realize the promises were true. It was built out of relationship. They were family. And so when Jesus walks up, John, with no sense of self, points to the one and says, here he is. Jesus is the one who was promised to you. You see, John has this this way of of, of telling us, of calling out that clarion call. Don't look at me. Look at Jesus. He's the one you want to follow. Now the Apostle John, in his version of this initial call, it's very different than the one that we see in the Synoptic Gospels. The book of Mark has Jesus tropsing on down by the lakeside, and he looks at Peter and he says, Come and follow me. I will make you fishers of men. But here in John, it's a lot different. It's an invitation to join him. And it's built in this relationship that begins with someone saying, look. Jesus wants to invite us into the midst of his life. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus says, said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. It's this revelation that happens. Peter meets Jesus. Relationships begin to form. And Jesus looks at him and calls him into a new vocation. He points out to him in this new community of disciples for all of the failings and mistakes of who Peter was, and trust me, his impetuousness was long-rooted in his life. And Jesus says to him, you're going to be the rock. Now we know in Peter's story that, that that's where he ends up, but he was nowhere near that person at this time. So there's this revelation that happens in his life when he meets Jesus. And it begins him on a journey. On the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said, come and follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, Nathanael exclaims. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Fort Saskatchewan? Can anything good come from Duncan? My hometown had a nickname, Drunken Duncan. 
And he says, come and see for yourself. See, John is describing something profound here. He's describing a gathering. With Philip being the exception, each one of the disciples were invited into relationship through the witness of another person. John the Baptist, Baptist to Andrew and an unnamed disciple. And scholars think this is actually the Apostle John. Andrew to Peter, Philip to Nathaniel. And the book of John continues in this way. The Samaritan woman to her village. Mary of Magdalene witnessing the risen Christ at Easter. There's this telling from one to the next. Bearing witness as you enter into this community of Christ. And it's definitely invitational. I think this is part of what it means to be the church. And John is showing us how it's done. Come and see. It's an invitation. It's no use of threat or force. There's no manipulation. It's open, gracious, and encouraging. This is the one who was promised. You're invited. Come. Psalm 34, 8, I think, says it best. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. That's the message here. Come. Come and see. As they approached, Jesus said, Now, here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you, you had seen, I'd seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will see all heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. I love this story about Nathaniel. He's a cynic. He's a realist. He's the one that the glass is half empty. And Jesus comes to him and recognizes in him this true calling. The one who tells the truth. We don't know what the fig tree is. It doesn't explain it. We, 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 can, we can get a sense of it because the fig tree was really became that place of refuge. That place you would come and you would pray under the shade. There's stories, extra biblical stories, about people having euphoric moments in the presence of God while sitting under the fig tree. We don't know what happened, but we do know that whatever happened, it convinced Nathaniel instantly that Jesus was the one he claimed to be. And it's a profound moment for him. So what we're really talking about here is call. Each and every one of them were invited into this community. And John, in this passage, there are two levels of going on here. First is this key question of what are you looking for? See, Jesus doesn't come to them and tell them what they need. 
He doesn't come to them and say, here's where you're going wrong. He doesn't come to them and shame them or guilt them or tell them all the broken pieces of their life. He just invites them. What do you want? It's an invitation to share life with him. The second is a bond. The Greek word when he invites him to come and stay with him in the house is abide. And Jesus is inviting them into a deeper relationship with him. This repeats in John again and again and again. In chapter 6, chapter 11, chapter 15, chapter 14, this theme is repeated where Jesus is inviting people to abide in him. To live a life as the one called to be part of this community of Christ. One moment. See, Jesus knows this is what we desperately need. He knows that we need relationship. And he's revealing himself to us through the process. And this revelation comes through words like Lamb of God, the Promised One, the Messiah, Son of God, King of of Kings, King of Israel, and then this huge one, Son of Man, which is revealed to us in the book of Daniel as one who comes and was given divine authority and dominion over all things. It's this very, very high title. And so in the midst of all that is going on, Jesus is inviting relationship. And so we want to live this story. And this is the key piece for all of us. How does this matter to us? How do we take these ancient texts and and, and actually relate to them in a way that says, this means something to me? So what's going on here? John is claiming there's two key elements to discipleship. One is disciples must know who Jesus is. It's relational. It's about coming before him and being in community with him. It's key to know Jesus in this process. It's more than just knowing about Jesus. It's more than just knowing a bunch of words in Scripture. It's a deeply personal relationship with Him. And that's the second piece. That relationship needs to completely reorient our lives. See, it's not enough to know about Jesus. It's not even enough to know Jesus if it makes absolutely no difference to who we are. You see, the central focus of this story is the contact that each of these people had with Jesus. And this conversion is more than just knowledge. It's about coming to Him and having this relationship with Him and answering the question, what am I looking for? So what am I looking for? What are those things that are deeply important to me? You see, if what's important to me is more money, or if what's important to me is a bigger car or a bigger house, if what's important to me is better status in my job, that's an indicator that my life has maybe come away from what God wants for me. Not that there's anything wrong with any of those things. But if they become our pursuit 
as opposed to the relationship with Jesus and with our neighbors and with our community, there's an opportunity for us to really say to Jesus, where's my heart and what do I need to change? And it can slip in. Because Jesus is saying, you will see greater things. But when my eyes are focused on the things of this world, I can't see the greater things that Jesus is doing all around me. So what do I want? What is on my mind? What are the deeper longings that are consuming me? And in my own spiritual health check, I began to realize that there are some things that had crept in. It was little things. Probably good things if they were inside what Jesus' call was for me. But they became distractions from my relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I've had to ask myself, what am I looking for? And so for 2022... I'm looking for more of Jesus. I'm looking for an opportunity to compel and to, and to encourage and to guide more people into relationship with Him. I'm looking for a church that is growing in maturity. I'm looking for a group that will walk with me into life. The abundant life that is promised in spite of the external reality around us. I'm looking for people who will say, I want to abandon it all for the sake of the gospel and pursue him like nothing else matters because nothing else matters. I was encouraging the worship team this morning. In their focus, they were so intentional. And I said, stop, smile, enjoy this. With all that's going on with COVID, have we forgotten to have fun? I know I have. And so I, I want to enjoy Jesus this year. And I want to enjoy all of you this year. And I want us to be so freaking infectious that people want to be with us and they don't know why. Because we're, we're just ordinary people. Paul talks about the church being mystery. I've repeated this I don't know how many times over the last three weeks. Because I'm utterly convinced it's not about anything that we do. It is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And if, we are, if we're professing him and we are claiming him, it doesn't matter if the sermon's good or the music's good or the tech is good or the seats are comfortable or if the paint matches top and bottom or if the church is pink. Jesus loves me, this I know. And I want that to make me smile. Not a fake smile, but joy in spite of what is going on around me. My heart is looking for peace and love and hope and relationship. And I want it to be here in this place. And 22 months of COVID has scattered us. I'm going on record. It's time to gather Omicron be damned. I'm done. 
with pretending our hope comes in masks or vaccines or in social distancing. All of those are important. I am not saying we shouldn't do those things. But I'm saying our hope is in Jesus Christ and it's time we act like that. It's time I act like that. No shame. This is encouragement. I want us to let go of fear and embrace hope and come back together. And if we can't feel comfortable coming back together physically, then get on Zoom. I know we hate it. But let's connect. Too many times I've heard people talk to one another when they've come through the door. I haven't seen you in months. I haven't talked to you in months. That's my fault. I was so focused on trying to keep this thing going and getting a service up and running on Sunday morning that I forgot to remind you to call one another. I'm not doing that anymore. Call one another. You're awesome. You should just get to know one another more. Because really, I'd rather be here in minus 30 stupid than anywhere else. And I've been a lot of warm places. Abide. What does Jesus want from me? He wants relationship with me. He doesn't want me focused on a bunch of other things. He wants me to come. And see, here's the thing that's really interesting about this passage. First comes the relationship, then comes the call. See, there's an order to all of this. And I think what actually happened is Jesus got to know these people in relationship, in a home, going out for dinner, grabbing a hamburger, going to the barbecue, eating street food. And then, after he had a relationship with them, he walked along the, street, the shore of the Lake of Galilee and said, come, I'm going to make you fishers of men. That was so hopeful for me because I remember looking at that for years and years and years. I saw that call and said, why can't I respond like that and just out of the blue drop everything? And I'm going, that's actually not what happened. What happened is Jesus took time to get to know each and every one of these men. And then, then and only then, when the relationship had happened, he called them into a new vocation. Every single day, I hear of people, I talk to some of you, desperately trying to figure out what God's call is on your life. It's to be in relationship with Him. And out of that will birth a vocation. It's love for God. It is is about knowing who He is and knowing about Him. It isn't just being in some relationship that is devoid of any knowledge. It's not piety without theology. It's commitment but both our minds and our hearts to Him. And so for 2022, I want to be back more deeply into the Word of God. I read recently in one of the many reports of this church that about 2000, somewhere in 2017 or 2018, about 50% of this church were engaged in a regular Bible study. It's okay. You'd want more, but it's, it's okay. I, I don't think that number is anywhere close to that level now. So if we're disciples of Jesus, do we want to know more about who he is? So I remember when Karen and I were dating, I wanted to know everything about her. She wanted to know everything about me. And now she knows too much. 
But if, if that is how I pursue a person I'm in love with, I want to do that in 2022 with Jesus. I want to be more deeply engaged in that relationship with him. I want more revelation. I want to hear what Jesus has for me. Peter called, was called out from being a mess to being a rock. And trust me, there was nothing immediately obvious in Peter's life that he was going to become the rock of the church. I guarantee you, if you had known me when I was 25 years of age, you would have not said most likely to become a pastor. See, Jesus gives us new names. Jesus gives us new vocations. And it comes out of our relationship with him. It's not a calling into an office or a role, but a calling into a deeper association with him. And it's a prelude to further reaching and a further call that comes later. I want us to be deeper in Christ. I want my relationship with Him to call out in me those things that are so deeply buried that I can't even see them myself. I want Jesus to make me more patient. I want Jesus to make me more loving. I want Jesus to make me a person people want to be with so that I get to share with them the gospel of the salvation that comes through the one who lived and died and rose again so that we could have life. I want to be like Nathaniel, who moves from being cynical and negative into one who's called out for a truth teller. And that with that word of Jesus, my words don't cease to be true, but they cease to have sting. I want to be one who can say, I think this is broken. And people go, yeah, let's fix it. And they don't cringe at my words. I think it's about honesty, but it's framed in this gift that is given to us by God, and that's love. And I want to share more. I want to share more of my own life. I want to have more meals with people. I want to share more about who I am and learn more about who you are. I want to drink so much coffee, my doctor thinks I have a problem. Dave is my, is my, uh, my dealer on coffee, so, so you're going to have to step up, Dave. You see, converts make converts. We're not going to see people come into relationship with Jesus if we're isolating ourselves and we're not connecting with people. So I want to connect with you more. And I want this to be out of relationship, first with Jesus and then with my neighbor. And I want to do this together. 22 months of isolation is enough. Be safe. If you need to isolate, stay home. Omicron is going to have a bunch of us at any given point having to be in our own space. But let's make efforts to connect and to contact one another. And I, and I want more of that. I want to be calling you more. When I first started here, I reached out and I called people. And then in the busyness of just trying to keep things going... My phone stayed on my desk. And so I, I, I'm committing this year to picking up the phone and having really bad sermons because I spent so much time engaging with you. Now my hope is that God will give me both. 
But I want us to connect. I want to connect with you. And I want to follow Jesus. And it's not in this mundane sense of following someone to his house. I want to hook my wagon to that train. And I want to ride it as far as he'll take me. Because I know it's going to be awesome. Becoming a disciple is all about our spiritual health. If we're disciples of Jesus Christ, there's an invitation for us to go deeper with Him this morning. And 2022 is not 2020 also. You get that? But 2022 can be the year that we said, yeah, we had COVID. But you know what? We had Jesus. And that trumped everything. It's going to be a year that's filled with more change. It's going to be a year that I'm going to use the word pivot prolifically. It is going to be a year that's going to have more frustrations and more uncertainty. It absolutely will. But I, I want this to be a year that I don't lose ground. I want this to be a year that I grow I want this to be a year that I look back on and said, God used COVID-19 to spark in me a fire that raged for the rest of my life. See, we can either go backwards or we can gain ground. And I want this to be a year that we as a church gained ground. None of this is determined. There are no guarantees It is entirely up to us. Will we look at our lives? Will we embrace the call? Will we pursue Jesus? Will we look at the deeper questions of life? Will we take the time to ask, where is it you want me to grow? Individually or as a church? Or will we allow 2022 to be another year where we let COVID beat us back, wear us down, grind us out? Where we become a little bit less of ourselves and a little bit less as a church? One year from today, I'm going to be standing here, Lord willing, unless he's come and taken us back. And I want us to say, Look at the fire. But that's the choice each of us has to make. I intend to grow. I intend to pursue. I intend to take stock of my spiritual health. And I invite each and every one of you, whether you're here in the building, whether you're watching online, whether you're listening to this later, to grab hold and let's run this race. I invite you to join me. And I pray you do. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the grace of call. And Lord, this has been an absolutely brutal two years. It's felt like five. And Lord, 
in spite of all of that, not ignoring the, tr- the struggles, not ignoring the pain, not ignoring the challenges, they're very real. Lord, help us. Help us to embrace you. Lord, I pray for my own life, that those areas that you brought to my attention, those places that you've shown me where good practice has left, the good, bad habits have crept in, you give me the courage, the strength, and the wisdom to pursue you. And Lord, for anyone listening to me right now, if they sense there's something in their own life that needs to go, or something that has been absent that needs to come, I pray you'd give them the courage to do so. Not out of guilt, not out of shame, but out of hope and love and an expectation that it will bring life. Lord, there's no condemnation in you. You've told us that. And so I pray this morning, I pray for this entire series, that no one would feel condemned. That they would feel invited. For those areas in our lives, Lord, where, where you are showing us where our practice is good, where our habits are solid, where you are pleased with those areas of our lives. We thank you for the grace of life that you've given us. For the encouragement to keep going. And Lord, for those who are probably most like me, who have a bit of both, I pray you'd give us the strength to, to endure and to entrust all of this to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.